You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, if you just answer the question. Why don't you just answer the question? Be honest. No big deal. Yeah, answer it. Just answer the question, Claire. Talk to us. Come on, answer, answer the question. Go be on, it's sure. easy. It's only one question. I'm going to go with D the Hooch. And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Zabe, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. The Revenge. This time, it's personal. This episode, I am excited to have these two Gen Xers back on the show, not only to share their memories of Generation X, but also to set the record straight from their previous appearance on the show. More on that in a moment. There's something here for everyone here on this episode, I hope, but if you like reminiscing about Beverly Hills 90210, Different Strokes, or the movie Pretty Woman, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to try and save Gen X for future generations today with the material we cover with these two good friends of over 34 years, if I have that number right. Okay, let's just talk about something right up front here. Let's just get right into it. Several episodes ago, we had these same two guests on the show, and to put it plainly, I screwed up. You totally blew it, dude. Diana stole the power at the end of round two, but was not allowed to go first in dysfunctional family feud. That error put the whole outcome of the game in question, and she ended up losing the game, to which I feel like a big loser for <laughs> letting that happen. And I, I can't apologize enough. But she was very gracious about the error. And I'm so pleased that these two guests have agreed to come back and play again. So hopefully I can follow the rules properly this time. And leave no doubt as to who wins this episode. So, with all that out of the way, please welcome back to the show, Diana. Hi, I'm Diana. I'm glad to have an opportunity to prove I'm not a loser. Thought I was for many weeks, but turns out 
I'm a winner. <laughs> Happy to be back. Thanks for having me. The pleasure is mine. Thanks, Diana. I promise not to mess up this time. <laughs> and Diana will once again be playing against uh, her good friend. Please welcome back to the show, Amy. Hi, I'm so excited to be back. I think we know where I stood in the first round, so I'm certainly not worried about this one. She's going down because I eat pop culture for breakfast. So, <laughs> well, we'll see if there's going to be a repeat performance that with a victory or not, Amy. But I think Diana's got uh, she's got something to prove here. I think so. We'll see how it turns out. Regardless, thanks so much for coming back. But before we meet these two guests properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of games. The winner of each of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will not only win this rematch, but will also win a chance at today's fabulous prize. That is, if you consider stuff I picked off of eBay 15 minutes ago fabulous. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey, ladies, you know, you take the good. You take the bad. You take them both. And there you have the first game of the day. It's a game we call the Facts of Life. In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic, and players must compete to identify them on the top 10 list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of the round will be awarded the power. The power. Which is a position that will grant them advantages throughout the show. So no points are awarded in round one, but having the power is a great advantage in each round. You're not letting her go out like that, are you? Cher, get in here. What's up, Daddy? What the hell is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. It looks like underwear. Go upstairs and put something over it. Dad, we're just (laughs) going to. Hey, you. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. Bye, Daddy. Women and girls' fashion of the 1990s is very distinct. While not quite as loud as the 80s, the 90s took that attitude and tried to make it a little smarter, a little classier. Sometimes designers succeeded, sometimes they didn't. Like most decades, fashion changed somewhat drastically from the beginning of the 90s to the end. The early 90s started off exactly like 1989, but by 1993, the 1991 look was, quote, so 80s. Simply put, nearly everyone had completely revamped their style by 1994. By then, the 80s had become kind of a bad thing in a way. Hairspray was 80s. Too much makeup was 80s. Flashy clothing was 80s. Anything 80s was considered a bad thing. Most women didn't want wild patterns and colors. They wanted simple and humble, solid colors, preferably subdued. And that was the way to go. The last time we had you two on the show, we asked you about women's fashion of the 80s. (laughs) And Diana made it very clear that she would like another crack at naming some fashion. So. The Facts of Life list this episode, we're asking you about the most popular fashion trends of the 1990s. The list rules are that these trends are primarily specific to women, but many also had crossover appeal for both men and women. This list does not include hairstyles or makeup trends, so the Rachel haircut won't be on the list. No, these are all items that are either worn somewhere on the bodies of trendy chicks of the 1990s. Some are specific brand names. Other items are more general, so loud arguments to the judges may be ordered if you feel something should fall into a uh, fashion category on the list. So tell me, ladies, what are the most popular fashion trends of the 1990s? We flipped the coin backstage to see who goes first, and Amy, you won the coin flip. Amy, get us started. 
I wore these all the time, especially for waiting tables. So I'm going to go with a popular 90s trend was wearing Doc Martens. Doc Martens, number one on the survey. Oh, Well done, Amy. I had them in boots and the Doc Martens sandals. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So we had several things that kind of listed up in the top answers. There's kind of a tie in a way. Doc Martens slash combat boots all Mm -hmm. fall under the same kind of category. Also like Timberlands and that sort of thing. So big chunky footwear is all taken up on number one, if that helps you out, Diane. Mm. Because you're up now. Did I, did I really say I wanted another chance at fashion? <laughs> <laughs> you wrote it out specifically in your email to I me. I did, you huh? Like another crack at it. Wow. Okay. Okay. How about, um, I don't know, acid wash jeans, early 90s? Acid wash jeans, I think was more of an 80s thing. <sighs> it did not make the survey. It's only case. <sighs> That's only strike one. Amy, back to you. I'm trying to think of all the photos we have together in the 90s, Diana. So <laughs> I'm going to go with floral prints. Judges, does she need to be more specific? We're going to let her get another crack at it. Yes. Okay. Floral print, like baby doll dresses. Floral print baby doll dresses is number four on the survey. Well done. Baby doll dresses and baby tees and kind of that cutesy look. So that uh, all falls under that same category of fashion for the fourth entry here. Diana, only one strike. Yeah, overalls. 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 Number five on the survey. Yay, got overalls. Well done. Three answers down, seven remain. Amy, back to you. I want to say this was late 80s, but... Then don't say that answer. I know, <laughs> but I think it bled into the 90s. What about Birkenstocks? My wife would definitely agree with you, but the survey, unfortunately, does not. Oh. That's one strike, Amy. My wife lived in Birkenstocks. That's all she wore. I still wear Birkenstocks. So does she. Side, <laughs> side note, when I went and met Diana in Pismo Beach a couple years ago, she hid one of them so that I could wear them. Yes. Yes, I did. I did that. (laughs) Diana, back to you. Only one strike. How about belted jeans and shorts? I'm sorry, Diana. That did not make the survey. That's strike Mm. number two. Amy, still seven answers up on the board. Okay. I'm going to go with flannels. Mm. Flannel slash the grunge look. Number two on the survey. Oh. Yeah. Number one and number two. Diana, here's the situation. You got two strikes. There are six answers remaining. Some are very specific. Like I said, in the open that there are some brand names on there. I don't know if that helps you or not, but it might. Hmm. Well, I remember like baggy jeans, oversized. Oversized baggy jeans. Number three on the survey. Oh, nice. You stayed alive. I'm alive. Yeah. I was surprised to have that for uh, women's. I mean, I guess, I guess women did still wear the, the baggy jeans, but I always associated that with like dudes. Yeah. Yeah. You like underwear hanging out the top kind of thing. Like that yeah. kind of became a thing in the, in the nineties. I'm literally like, remember like Cavaricci jeans and all that. That's oh, what I'm thinking God. of. From yes. The 90s. <laughs> yes. I think that was still eighties though. Wasn't it? Was it? I think so, oh, man. <laughs> I can tell I picked a great topic for (laughs) facts of life. Okay, Amy, it's back to you. You have one strike. You got a free swing right here. Go ahead and take it. Okay. I'm going to go with, I'm just trying to think of where we grew up. So um, there was like a lot of surfwear, like Maui and Sons and a lot of like light, like big 
bold kind of surfer type clothes. Can you be more specific? Board shorts. What you can think of? Mm, ah. I'm sorry. Is <laughs> That's your second strike. Diana, you're in the same situation. You were earlier. It's get a get on the board here or you strike out. How about chokers? <gasps> chokers is an outstanding answer. That's number six on the survey. Ooh. So good. <laughs> Great pull. Now I mean, all the pressure's on Amy. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Four answers remain. What do you got? Um, I'm thinking accessories. And there was a ton of like early 90s Janet Jackson. So we used to wear big hoop earrings with a key on it. <laughs> I did ask you to be specific. That's very specific. <laughs> However, I'm sorry, Amy. Big giant hoop earrings with keys and locks in them did not make the survey. <laughs> that means that's your third strike. Diana, congratulations. You won round one, and that means you have the power. The power is <laughs> The key ring earring. Good look, though. It was a good look. Good look. <laughs> I thought I looked so, like, hip. <laughs> so dumb. Let's run down the top 10 and pick out the ones that you guys did not get. Number one you got, which was the Dark Martin shoes. Two was flannel. Three was a big chunky jeans. Number four was baby doll dresses. Five overalls. Six, which the answer that won it for Diana, if you think about it, was chokers. You did not choke on that one. Uh, number seven. <laughs> You guys did not get, which was thigh highs and knee highs, like the schoolgirl outfit oh. type look. Oh, yeah. My parents are probably horrified. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so bad. Number eight was silk shirts or spaghetti strap pink tops, like camisoles or like that mm -hmm. kind of lingerie top mm -hmm. kind of look that went on, slip dresses, <laughs> etc. Number nine, we were going to try and squeeze that in for you, uh, Amy, when you're going <laughs> for surfwear. Not quite exactly surfwear, but hypercolor. That was popular i remember growing up in southern oh, california yeah. people had that hyper color mm -hmm. i remember a lot of surfer dudes cruising around in that kind of look mm -hmm. i remember correctly <laughs> and number 10 i think you guys are gonna kind of kick yourself for not thinking of this one scrunchies or scrunchies as like bracelets or slap bracelets as well they kind of oh yeah wrist kind of accessory with hair mm -hmm. ties and whatnot that's so true that rounds out the top 10 that never went out because i still wear it i was gonna say i'm back in silk <laughs> scrunchies because they don't pull on my hair overalls flirting with buying a pair i don't know they're back in i, I my 14 year old tells me and i said no way <laughs> before we start round two let's take a moment to better meet our contestants the judges are the gatekeepers of all things gen x on the show and to that end they are requesting to know from our contestants about their gen x credentials that is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X and what might potentially disqualify you from being able to call yourself part of that elusive club of Generation X? Please welcome to the show, Diana. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X credentials and disqualifiers. All right. Well, I'm Diana. Despite drinking out of the hose, I am still alive and well playing outside until the, the lights came on. It was a great childhood. Weekends were for cartoons because cartoons were only on in the mornings until I grew up, got a little older, went to the mall and then got a little bit older and went to the beach with my baby oil as you did and fried and got a nice tan <laughs> dealing with it now. <laughs> but, you know. Anyone listening, 
if you got kids, uh, tell them that cartoons were only on late afternoons or on Saturday mornings and watch their heads explode because they, they just can't wrap their head around, around that. No, they can't. They have no clue how good they have it. We had to wait. There was no stopping for commercials. You had to wait for a commercial when the commercial came and then it was like uh, beat the clock, you know? Yeah. Can I go make myself a sandwich? Go to the bathroom <laughs> and uh, answer that phone call or whatever before that commercial break is over and I get back in my seat and have my snacks. For sure. For sure. It was great. My disqualifiers, which is not necessarily bad for me, but I had a great family. Dad worked. Mom was a full-time housewife. I had dinner on the table every night at six o'clock. My whole family sat down together. I really envied the kids in my class that wore the key around their neck because they got to be alone. They got to go home alone and do whatever they wanted. And they got more freedoms I had to be in when the lights turned on. And as I grew older, they could still go away and go to parties and things. And I had a curfew, you know, potential disqualifier there, but not necessarily a bad thing. You were jealous of the kids with the key around their neck. What about the kids that have the keys inside of a giant hoop earring? Were you jealous of those kids? Definitely jealous. I was, you know, I I did want that. (laughs) Judges, can Diana stay on despite her having a wonderful family life growing up? (laughs) Well done, Diana. Awesome. And please also welcome to the show, Amy. Amy, please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X credentials and potential disqualifiers. My name is Amy and I live in Seattle, Washington, but I am originally from the Southern California area. So that's how Diana and I have known each other. I was a latchkey kid, so I had divorced parents. I spent most of my time in middle school making mixtapes. My graduation (laughs) gift from eighth grade was a stereo with a turntable and dual cassettes. I thought I was going to like make it in the music industry with all of my (laughs) mixtapes. I was obsessed with Prince, Madonna, Depeche Mode, Oingo Boingo, and my first car right out of high school was a red, oh, I'm sorry, two-tone, red and gray Honda CRX, which they don't even make anymore. And um, for those who are listening that don't know, it was a two-door, there was no back seat, and kids used to lay down in the back hatchback part. Like, I would put, like, five of us in there and (laughs) drive around Huntington. (laughs) So... Yeah. So those are my qualifiers for Gen X. And what is your potential disqualifier? So we didn't have any video games in my house. No Nintendo, nothing like that. I have never, I know. (laughs) Diana, cover your ears. I have never, ever in my life played Oregon Trail. Um, (laughs) Can we still be friends? Um, I got good (laughs) grades. I never went to Smoker's Field. Like I just, I did well in school. I did occasionally ditch to go to Taco Bell during MUN. And I also thought grunge was kind of a phase. I thought it was just kind of this thing that happens in Seattle. I don't think I thought it was a big movement, but I did steal their footwear. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you got that graduation present for the stereo, Mm -hmm. the, the real, the true measure of whether your parents were truly proud of you for graduating or not was, did that stereo have high speed dubbing? Oh, Probably not. Okay. Well, (laughs) it was very antiquated, but I knew that I could borrow my mother's albums and make mixtapes on my favorite album that she had from the early 80s was Stevie Nicks Belladonna. And I used to listen to that album over and over. And then I asked my dad one time, Do you think maybe someday you'll marry her? And he's like, No. (laughs) 
pretty sure I'm not going to marry Stevie Nicks. <laughs> you wanted your dad to, to marry up to Stevie Nicks? Yeah, I wanted him that. to marry Stevie Nicks. I thought she was cool. She dressed like a gypsy. She used to be in Fleetwood Mac. My fate never came to fruition. <laughs> Let's move on to round two. Round two. Round two is a game called Eight is Enough. Eight is enough to fill our lives with this game, I'll ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments and putting those judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, which is you, Diana, gets to choose between two questions to answer. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer no matter how incorrect it might be. So if you don't know the answer, try and make something up make, and make it entertaining for us to listen to or just give the answer Wesley which just seems to be a thing on the show, either works just fine. The winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that you'll both be playing for in round three. However, the player who has the power at the end of the round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. And please make sure I get it correct this time. Whoever has the power <laughs> in round two gets to go first in dysfunctional family. Okay, Diana, you got the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be Mallory's Matrimony Man, which is a television question? Or will it be doing lines with hookers, which is a movie dialogue question? <laughs> Let's go with Mallory. Mallory's Matrimony Man. Justine Bateman played Mallory Keaton on the hit NBC sitcom Family Ties. Her character got plenty of male attention during those seven seasons of the show. However, there was only one that she became engaged to. Who was Mallory's fiance on the show? Sorry, and there's no multiple choice. That's not <laughs> multiple choice. <laughs> Oh, um, oh my God. I could see him. He had like a mullet. They all hair. had mullets back then. Bare dark hair was his name. Um, Wesley? Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> I don't remember. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Oh. Amy, you get a chance to steal and you get the power if you get it right. Are you looking for the actor's name or the character's name? The character's name. Nobody knows the actor's name. Was it Nick? Nick is correct. <gasps> well done. That was a straight guess. For some reason, I just thought his that was his name. Nick Moore was his name. Nice. When Mallory becomes discontented with her busy life in college, Nick suggests that they both get married and presumes that that will fix all their problems because, you know, that always works. At the last minute, she reconsiders and they decide not to get married, much to the delight of Skippy, I'm sure. Oh, Skippy. <laughs> for him yeah <laughs> he loved her <laughs> all right so that means one point for you amy and that means more importantly you have stolen the power Steal the power and you get this question as well if you get this question you'll take a commanding three-point lead the question is called doing lines with hookers this is a movie dialogue question in the 1990 film Pretty Woman, it centers on a down-on-her-luck Hollywood prostitute, Vivian Ward, played by Julie Roberts, and a wealthy businessman, Edward Lewis, played by Richard Gere. Vivian is hired to be Edward's escort for several business and social functions, and the relationship develops over the course of her week-long stay with him. For this question, you need to tell me the next line of dialogue in the scene, okay? In the scene where there were out on a balcony discussing their options for their future, Edward says, 
I've never treated you like a prostitute. What is Vivian's reply? She said you just did. That is correct. <laughs> it's two more points. So great. When they're out on the balcony and this is the last thing she says before he walks inside, she looks away and she quietly says, you just did. Because he said he wanted to see her again, but he couldn't commit to that. Here's the fun fact. Pretty Women is a quintessential feel-good romantic comedy, but the original ending of the film is very intense. In the original script, Vivian's friend Kit dies of an overdose, and Edward and Vivian don't end up with one another. What's more, he actually throws Vivian out of his car on the side of the road and chucks some money at her for the weekend that they spent together. And roll credits. Wow. Yeah. They made I the right believe, choice of changing that up. I can't believe they thought that was going to be even like sellable. <laughs> right. Yeah, can horrible. you imagine someone treating Julie Roberts like that on screen? Like, give me a break. Well, also, Kit overdoses. I mean, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> Scores three points to nothing. Diana, it's okay. There's plenty of points left. You just need to wrestle this power back if you can. All righty. But Amy gets a pick between these two questions because she currently has the power. Will it be the British Royal Wedding, which is a Gen X event question, or will it be the Beverly Hills Royal Wedding, which is a television question? I'm going to go with the Beverly Hills Royal Wedding. Okay. I see where your allegiance lie. (laughs) Stateside. Yeah. In the TV show, Beverly Hills 90210, it featured many iconic characters of the generation, but viewers tuned in mostly for the developing relationships between those characters. Who ended up with who were regular plot points in any given episode. So for this question, I will give you the names of four Beverly Hills 90210 royalty, and you need to tell me the name of the character that they ended up marrying by the end of the series. Yeah, it's a little tough, huh? So I'm going to give you four names, and you got to tell me who their eventual spouse was, okay? So we'll, we'll go one at a time. If you get it wrong, then Diana will jump in, okay? Okay. So the first name is, who did Andrea marry? Jesse. Who did Dylan marry? Kelly. I'm sorry. <laughs> that is incorrect. Diana, can you jump in here and steal this question and the power? Who did Dylan marry? Dylan married Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> There's no Wesley on oh the show. Oh my gosh. It was a very progressive show, but it wasn't quite that progressive. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> the other two were was Steve and Brenda on this question. Andrea, Dylan, Steve, and Brenda were the four that you had to come up with who their spouses was. Steve married Janet. Andrea married Jesse, as you got, Amy. Dylan marries Tony. Remember the mob boss's daughter? Like, oh my gosh! Yeah, daughter, right? Didn't yeah? Th- didn't she what? die in some kind of crazy shootout or something? She sure did. I don't oh, remember. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so if I remember correctly, Dylan married Tony, and they got in, uh, and the dad who's in the mob didn't like it, and put a hit out on <laughs> Dylan, and mm-hmm. mistakenly killed. Tony instead when she took Dylan's car for a ride. So right, so they got married, and in the same episode, she got in his car and went for a ride, and the hitman like couldn't see through the window because it's raining or something, and shot and killed Tony, the mob boss's daughter, instead of Dylan. And then they all ended up at the peach pit. (laughs) (laughs) Telling stories. (laughs) Eating pie. Oh my god. And the last one was Brenda. Did you guys know who Steve married? Did you guys know it was? You guys want to gotten that one? Mm-mm. What about Brenda? Who does Brenda get married to? I don't remember that either. No. That was a bit of a trick question. That was a curveball. She doesn't get married on the show. Oh, 
Jason. Yeah, I thought you guys would have pulled those right through all those. Tricky. Yeah, that was tricky. Ah, well, you know, trying to make it a little more difficult on some. <laughs> you know, Brenda came pretty close when she and Stuart ran off to Las Vegas in season four, but her friends came and talked them out of it. No word on those same friends talking Tony, however, out of getting into Dylan's car for a spin right after their wedding. Here's a bonus fun fact if we need it. So Rebecca Gayhart ended up being cast as Tony. You remember her? Oh, yes. Yeah. Originally, Carrie Russell was going to play Tony. But Aaron Spelling said no to her as as cast to cast her because he didn't want a woman with curly hair to play the part of Tony. But anyone who remembers Rebecca Gayhart's hairstyle back in those days might be wondering if there was more to this story than. Wow. You know. OK, so that is no points for anyone. The score is still three points for Amy and zero for Diana. You get to get on the board. However, plenty of points for you to catch up, Diana. OK, Amy, you still have the power, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to check in with you guys. Make sure I'm not screwing this up. <laughs> you still have the power. And you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be? Uh, oh, crap. I screwed up. Diana didn't get a chance to answer her question. <laughs> oh. oh. I almost screwed you over again, Diana. <laughs> and I caught myself. Caught yourself. All right. <laughs> Big edit right here, Jason of the future. <laughs> Go back Jason in time. of the future. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Diana, here's your chance to get back in this game and get on the board. This question is called The British Royal Wedding. This is a Gen X event. On July 29th, 1981, Lady Diana Spencer said, I do to Prince Charles, as they were watched by 3,500 guests and a further 750 million people on television. It was a worldwide event back in the 80s that everyone remembers. However, do you remember the location of the wedding? What was the location of the royal wedding? Marriage. St. Paul's Cathedral. That is correct. Marriage is what brings us together today. It's two points. The score is now two points to three. Let's hear the fun fact about the royal wedding. The wedding took place in just five months after their engagement was officially announced. So a pretty short engagement. Their marriage was widely billed as a fairy tale wedding and the wedding of the century. That dream... Within a dream. Events were held around the Commonwealth to mark the wedding, and most businesses were closed for the day to mark the occasion. Then will follow you However, the couple separated in 1992 and divorced in 1996. Skipped the end. After 15 years of marriage, they called it quits. <laughs> Scores three points for Amy, two points for Diana. Amy, you got to pick between these two questions. Will it be? Whoa, we're halfway there. Whoa, we're living on a prairie, which is a television question. Or will it be cinema sound check, which is a head to head challenge? I think I'm going to go with whoa, we're <laughs> living on a prairie. This is a television question. In the beloved show Little House on the Prairie, We got to see an American Western historical family drama television series that was both heartwarming and sometimes heartbreaking. The show centers around the family of Charles and Caroline Ingalls, whose children must face the many challenges of growing up in the late 1800s. Here's the question. How many children did the Ingalls have in total, counting both natural and adopted kids? This is a multiple choice. Oh, phew. 
I wanted to see you squirm a little bit before I said that. I was trying to add it very quickly in my head. <laughs> was it A, five kids, B, seven kids, C, eight, or D, 69? 69, dudes! I think the answer is A, five kids. I'm sorry, that is incorrect, Amy. Diana, here's a golden opportunity to tie this game and steal the power. Five kids, seven kids, eight kids, or 69? 69, dudes! (laughs) Seven kids. Seven kids is incorrect as well. Oh, so close. The Ingalls had eight children in total. Wow. They are, in order of arrival, Mary, Laura, Carrie, Charles Jr., who died as an infant. I think that's one that kind of threw you. Grace. And then they also adopted Albert, as well as James and Cassandra Cooper. That is a big family for such a little house. (laughs) So no points there. The score is still three to two in Amy's favor. And Diana, this is your question. It's called Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head challenge. For this question, I will give you the titles of tracks of a musical score of a popular movie from Generation X, and you will need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, but that should give you the hints that you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player, giving a new movie title with each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. Here is another side note. The judges are still pissed off that our (laughs) contestants have been able to figure out the movies within the first couple of clues ever since we started playing this game. Clearly, this game has been far too easy, so we have made this one extra difficult, but not quite impossible. I'm going to get past song four because we haven't been able to get past song four yet. So we'll see how you guys do. So you have a chance to to piss off the judges or, (laughs) or make them very happy right now. So, Diana, this is your question. Here's song number one. Here's your clues. This movie came out in 1988, and IMDb calls it a comedy drama fantasy. Okay? Comedy drama fantasy, 1988. Song number one was titled New York. Oh, I don't get to hear it? Nope. (laughs) Oh. These are just song uh... titles, and they're clues to what the song is. Come on, you don't you can't get it after New York. What, what what movie that's a comedy drama fantasy that was released in 1988 that happened in New York? There couldn't be many. Comedy drama fantasy. The fantasy part's the hard one. The, oh my gosh. There's eight of these, so don't sweat eight. it. Don't awesome. sweat it. Well, eight song titles. One for all for one movie. Okay. Um can I have another? <laughs> Malfunction. Need input. No. We're, we're going to go back and forth. <laughs> okay. So you're gonna. I'm going to give Amy a song title on her turn, and they're all for the same, the same movie. And then you'll okay. get another turn if Amy can't get it. I'll be pissed if she does. Ghostbusters. That's a great guess. Mm. It's incorrect though. <laughs> it's a great guess. Really good guess. Uh, I don't think Ghostbusters came out in '88. However, I think no. it was like '85 or something like that. It was either that or Wesley. So. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, Amy, so far we got New York. Your song is called Waking Up. Is it the movie Splash? I think that's a great guess too, but also incorrect. Splash came out well before 1988. 
Okay. But I get where you're going with that one. Okay. So far, Diana, we've got New York waking up and song number three is alone in the hotel. Alone in the hotel. Not a mean, not a mean, not, not, not a mean, sign them all. Wow. Um, Superman two. No, Superman two. Three. Superman takes place in Metropolis, not New York. I'm sorry. That is incorrect. Oh my God. I'd lose my nerd credentials if I didn't correct you on that. (laughs) That location. Okay, Amy, you seem to think you know it. Let me give you song number four. See if it doesn't trigger it. We've never been able to get past song four. We'll see what happens. The judges are over there shaking their fists right now. Here we go. Song number one was New York. Song two was Waking Up. Song three, Alone in the Hotel. Here's the new one. Song four for you, Amy. It's called Josh and Susan. Is the movie Home Alone? That is incorrect. We did it, everyone. We're moving past song number four. It's a miracle. Wow. That was a good guess. That was a great guess. But I think Home Alone came out, I think, 90? Okay. I think. I could be wrong on that one. I don't know. Okay, Diana, back to you. So far, we have New York, Waking Up, Alone in the Hotel, Josh and Susan. The next song title is Falling in Love. How about, oh, God, Scrooged? (laughs) <laughs> Scrooge is incorrect <laughs> as well I, I like where your mind went though <laughs> There's some, some good, good thinking though, Diana <laughs> So here we go, back to you, Amy We have New York, waking up Alone in the hotel, Josh and Susan Falling in love The next one is The Confession Is it the movie Big? That is correct Oh my gosh Josh Baskin <laughs> We wow. just watched that with the kids like probably a month ago. Well done. Oh, I'm so happy. We almost got to all of them. Good Someday. job, babe. <laughs> Someday we're going to get to all eight. <laughs> that six is the new record. The judges are very happy right now. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the last two that you did not get, song seven was, you probably would have got it on this one, a song called Finding Zoltar. And song eight was Toy Store Walking Piano. That would have given it away for sure. For sure. Here is the fun fact for this question. It is not known who played Josh's baby sister, Rachel, in the movie. And the unknown child actress is not credited in the end titles. To this day, this child's identity remains an unsolved mystery. Fascinating. Interesting. Imagine having your kid be in a movie and nobody yeah. knows. How's that happen? Yeah, as long as the residuals come in. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Where do they go to? Who do they send them to? I don't know. So, oh, wow. See, 1988, uh, what's that, 33 years ago? Oh, gosh. Is that, is that math correct? <laughs> if you have a early 30s daughter out there, somebody, you can claim, hey, <laughs> that was my kid. Where's my check? Show me the money. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, we're going to go to the last pair of questions. Amy, you still have the power and you get to pick first between these two questions. Will it be different strokes, same bully, which is a television question, or will it be name that auto tune, which is a head to head challenge? Uh, I'll pick different strokes, different strokes, same bully. Here we go. Different strokes was a family sitcom that tried to teach many of us Gen Xers important life lessons. One of those lessons was a frequent topic that came up on many episodes displayed through Arnold Drummond being bullied often at school. 
By what nickname did Arnold Drummond's bully go by on the show Different Strokes? He had an arch nemesis that always picked on him, and he had a nickname. I think it's a nickname. What was it? This is a multiple choice. Was it A, the Gooch? B, the Goose? C, the Goon? Or D, the Hooch? I'm going to go with D, the Hooch. The Hooch is incorrect. (laughs) The Hooch means something very different. Yes. (laughs) Indeed. Diana. Here's a golden opportunity to steal the power. Um, The Gooch. The Gooch is correct. It was the Gooch. Well done. I'm Swift Hooch. When Sam, remember Sam was Arnold's little brother in the show. When Sam gets bullied by the Gooch at his school, because the Gooch (laughs) keeps repeating (laughs) the same grade over and over again. He's like a 30-year-old eighth grader. When Sam gets bullied by the Gooch at his school, Arnold tries to stand up to him, but is unsuccessful. Yeah, he flattened my lunchbox and said next he was going to flatten me. Oh, no, Sam. That's terrible. What are you going to do? I already did it. I told him my big brother Arnold was going to flatten him. What you talking about, Sam? So he decided to get the new Italian exchange student, Carmela, to fight the Gooch in exchange for the promise of a date with an unsuspecting Willis. Seems like they just could have asked Willis to take care of the Gooch. But Carmela and her judo training finally gave the Gooch his comeuppance. Despite being mentioned throughout the whole series, the Gooch never appears on screen. However, seeing that the Gooch wanted to beat up the super annoying Sam on the show, it was the one episode that was rooting for the Gooch. I hated that (laughs) character. He was the Cousin Oliver version of different strokes. Oh, gosh, yes. Oh, Cousin Oliver. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so here's the last question in the round. It goes to Diana. You're going to start this. This is a name that auto-tune. This is a head-to-head challenge. For this question, the judges will perform parts of a popular Generation X song, and you need to give me the title and artist of the song. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers, and they will also be using an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than are necessary. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering, with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything could still happen. Diana, you got to go first for song number one. You need to give me the artist and title to this famous Gen X song. Listen carefully. You've got style. That's what all the girls say. Satin sheets and luxury so fine. All your suits are custom made in London. But I've got something that you'll really like. Ours and title, Diana. Well, it's Madonna. Oh my God. Is it called? Is it Dress You Up? Let's find out and reveal the clip. You've got style. That's what all the <laughs> For two points, it gives you five points to Amy's four points. You've just taken the lead, Diana. Well done. Ooh, nice. Here's song number two. This one's for you, Amy. Here's a hint that I forgot to give you, Diana, but you didn't need it. 
the hint is <laughs> that this song it's just tradition on the show that I screw up whenever it's your turn. It's just, that's just the way things go. Song number two is a song from 1988. Okay, here's the judges' version. Give me the artist and title of this song. As he came into the window, was the sound of the crescendo. He came into her apartment. He left the blood stains on the carpet. She ran underneath the table. He could see she was unable. So she ran into the bedroom. She was struck down. It was her doom. Do you want it one more time, Amy? No, I think I got it. Okay. Is it Michael Jackson Smooth Criminal? Let's find out. That is correct. I had no idea what he said, to be honest with you, until I did the research for this show. Wow. I wouldn't have gotten that one at all. So that was well a good done. one, that Amy. Impressive, Amy. That's only bloodstains on the carpet was the only thing I could get. And I knew it was Michael Jackson, but I couldn't think of the name of it. <laughs> well done. You know, fun fact on this song is it was revealed that the refrain was inspired by a Rescue Annie. It was an industry standard resuscitation doll that Michael Jackson had been learning CPR on. Trainees are taught to ask Annie, are you okay? While performing CPR on the dummy. No way. I didn't. That's <laughs> wild. Super wild. That's funny. Funny. I had to include that fun fact. Okay. <laughs> so the score now is Amy with six points and Diana with five. This is the game right here. Diana, if you get this correct, you win round two and you retain the power. If not, then Amy has a chance to steal the power and win the game. Okay. Song number three. You'll get your hint this time. This song is from 1986. Artisan title for the game to this song. Listen up. I'm not a prude. I just want some respect. So close the door if you want me to respond. Cause privacy is my middle name. My last name is Control. Would you like it one more time? Janet Jackson Control. Let's find out. Listen up. I'm not a prude. I just want some respect. So Diana, you got the correct artist, but you did not get the correct title, which means Amy, if you can come up with the correct title to the song, you can steal the game and steal the power. Otherwise, Diana wins it. Amy, the correct title of that song. I don't. I, w- I would have said control. Uh, every question must have an answer or else you get slimed. <laughs> so you got to give an answer. An answer. Is it pleasure principle? Janet Jackson? <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> that means Diana, congratulations. You've won round two and you have the power. All right. <laughs> Diana, congratulations for winning round two. We're going to put your opponent in the phantom zone. While you and I take a secret trip to the prize vault where you are going to select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Punky Brewster will return after these messages. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Facebook, or wherever you get your podcasts from and subscribing to future episodes. Positive reviews truly do make a difference in the algorithms podcast platforms use to suggest new shows to their users. So if you're so inclined, please help us spread the word about the podcast. We would love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. We now return to Punky Booster. Let's bring Amy back in from the Phantom Zone. Amy? We have select our prize. Diana's picked a wonderful prize for you guys to play for in round three. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, Family Feud style, to each player in turn, and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook and our newsletter. The player who has the power gets to answer first with player two unable to hear the responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance that their prize that the winner of round two has selected in secret. Quick announcement before we start. It's been pointed out to me that more people would like to take part in the dysfunctional family feud surveys. And even more of my guests have complained about the survey. So if you want the surveys to be better, <laughs> then do your part and join the newsletter, share your Gen X knowledge with the world, or see if your answers end up in the honorable mention segment. Either way, it's great fun. The newsletter will also keep you up to date of all the goings-ons of the show. We have some really cool stuff planned for later on, and we want to make sure that you're a part of it. Okay, that's enough of that. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Amy, I'm going to put you back in the Phantom Zone. Okay, Diana, if you get stuck, say pass. You get one pass. Pro tip, make sure you use your pass. Make sure you filter all of your answers through the Gen X timeline. These aren't your specific answers, right? These are Mm -hmm. what you think are the most popular answers. Okay. Your time will begin. After I finish reading the first question, name an actor that was relevant in television before becoming a movie star. Michael Fox, Michael J. Fox. Name a magazine that was made for young people during the Gen X timeline. Highlights. What was the saddest movie of the 1980s? Pass. Name a famous Jennifer. Jennifer Beale. Name a Gen X women's fashion trend that you love so much that you wish would come back in style today? Overalls. (laughs) Let's go back to the cast on. What was the saddest movie of the 1980s? Oh God, saddest movies. Um, E.T. That was pretty sad, right? (laughs) I thought you'd say that after looking at the prize vault. (laughs) 
Okay, that was fast. Let's bring Amy back in from the Phantom Zone. Okay. <laughs> okay, Amy, here we go. I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Diana. You may not duplicate any of her answers. If you do, you'll hear this sound. That means try again and give me a different answer. Okay. It's a little more difficult. So we're going to give you two passes. Pro tip, use your passes. You can't take them home with you. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name an actor that was relevant in television before becoming a movie star. George Clooney. Name a magazine that was made for young people during the Gen X timeline. Tiger Beat. What was the saddest movie of the 1980s? Beaches. Name a famous Jennifer. Jennifer Aniston. And finally, name a woman's fashion trend that you love so much that you wish would come back in style today. Doc Martens. I can't help it. I'm so attached. <laughs> Let's go to the scores. I asked you, name an actor that was relevant in television before becoming a movie star. Diana, you gave us Michael J. Fox, who's the number two answer worth 26 points. Well done. Amy, you said George Clooney. The Clune Dog was number five on the survey, worth five points. These surveys sometimes come up with interesting answers at times. So I'd like to read some of the honorable mentions. Some of the honorable mentions go to Pee Wee Herman and Kermit the Frog. I applaud those little, uh, little out-of-the-box out answers, but uh, they're fun nonetheless. Uh, the number one answer was Bruce Willis. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. Oh, yeah. I forgot he was on Moonlighting. Yeah, yes. He's been in the news kind of recently for stepping aside from acting. So I think that, that made me so mind. Yeah. yeah, it was so sad. Yeah. Hey, he had a great run, right? I mean, totally. There's a million actors out there that like to switch places with his career, you know? So, yeah, we salute you, Mr. Bruce Willis. Thank you for your, your service, sir. Question two was name a magazine that was made for young people during the Gen X timeline. Diana, you gave us highlights. <laughs> which only one person gave the correct answer to. So you got one point for that. Bringing you to a score of 27 points. All right. Amy, you said Tiger Beat, which was the number one answer worth 30 points. Honorable mention goes to the one vote for Biggins, which was the Playboy-style adult magazine and reading material of choice for Al Bundy and Bud Bundy on Married with Children. <laughs> so the score is Amy with 35 and Diana with 27, a close game so far. Next was, what was the saddest movie of the 1980s? Diana, you said E.T., the extraterrestrial, which was the number three answer worth 20 points. Amy, you gave us Beaches, which was the number five answer worth 10 points. The saddest movie of the 1980s, honorable mention, goes to the one vote for Ishtar and the one vote for Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> I defy wow. anyone not to get a little misty-eyed when Spock and Kirk have their moment towards the end of that movie. I have been, and always shall be, your friend. Mm. The number one answer was Terms of Endearment for the saddest movie. Oh, I yeah. almost named that. It's one of my favorites. Scores now 47 for Diana and 45 for Amy. Two points separate you as we turn to question number four, which was Name a famous Jennifer. Diana, you said Jennifer Beals. You're laughing right now, but she was the number three answer as well. Oh, wow. <laughs> worth 18 points. 
And let me tell you, I got every possible way you can spell Jennifer Beals in the <laughs> survey. Wow. She's a hard name to spell, apparently. Amy, <laughs> you gave us Jennifer Aniston, which was the number four answer worth 12 points. The most famous Jennifer, according to Gen X, was Jennifer Gray. She took the number one spot. Oh, yep. Honorable mention goes to the song Jennifer by the Eurythmics. The one vote for the little sister on family ties and in true Gen X fashion, one vote for former state of Arkansas employee, Jennifer flowers. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Going into the final question. The score is Diana with 65 points and Amy with 57 points. So close. I asked you name a Gen X women's fashion trend that you love so much that you wish would come back in style today. Diana, you gave us overalls. We had a little discussion about that. Is number five answer as well worth two points, bringing you to a grand total of 67 points. Amy, you need 10 points to tie. You gave us Doc Martin shoes. You are 10 points away from tying this game. Was it enough points? Let's see what Gen X has to say. Survey said it is worth eight points. That means by a narrowest margin ever, Diana, congratulations, you won the game. You're doing part to save Generation X. Congratulations. Yay. Yay, yay. Couldn't have lost to a better friend. Those were some tough questions. The women's fashion trend that people would like to come back in style today. The number one answer was big hair. No. You can believe that. No, I cannot. cannot. (laughs) Honorable mention goes to the one vote for, quote, a white t-shirt and leather jacket. I'm assuming either a boomer snuck into the survey or that one vote came from the Fonz. Hey! <laughs> Congratulations, Diana. That was the closest game we've ever had. Wow. And overalls is all I could think of. <laughs> like nothing else in the world exists except for overalls. <laughs> Thanks again for being on the show, Amy. Sorry things didn't turn out the way you wanted to, but did you have a good time anyway? I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. For winning round three, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Diana until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes that Diana had to choose from and then reveal what was chosen. The first item in the prize vault is you'll feel like you're in your own fairy tale when you sit down to dine off this royal wedding commemorative dinner plate. The happy couple's picture is printed right in the middle of the plate. So so feel free to lock eyes with Prince Charles as you are finishing up your bangers and mash. You can choose this vintage 1984 head chair. It's not a headrest. It's a head chair. Picture a folding director's chair, but the size that would fit perfect for only your head. It's a chair, but for your head. I feel like someone got this idea after watching an episode of Mork and Mindy. Shazbat. <laughs> Here's a vintage collection of pinback buttons that celebrates Bruce Springsteen. There are four buttons in the lot, but the coolest one by far is the one that's shaped like a beer can, bearing the boss's face on it and the words that read, Bruce Juice. <laughs> Best slogan ever? Question marks. Here we have a Dylan McKay 902 and all doll that's the size of a Barbie doll. It only comes with removable swim trunks and otherwise it's nude. From the pictures, the proportions are real life accurate on this doll as the head makes up about one third of the entire doll. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) 
To honor our different strokes question this episode, the judges tried to find something on eBay to represent both Arnold Drummond and the Gooch. Sadly, the best we could do is this autographed baseball card for New York Mets minor league pitcher Arnold Gooch. (laughs) And finally, we have an assortment of puffy stickers featuring E.T. the Extraterrestrial. These stickers were clearly unlicensed and made in a country that has loose copyright laws. One sticker has E.T. wearing a red, white, and blue stars and stripes yarmulke, just like he did in the movie. Other stickers in the pack show E.T. to be either red, brown, yellow, or purple. However, the saddest one of all shows him gray laying down while being kissed by what can only be described as Chucky from the Child's Play movies. Tell me that's not Chucky in the overalls right there. That's so weird. As he's going all gray and dying and kids are crying in the theater. He's getting a little kissed by a <laughs> My God, how old are these stickers? Yeah. Well, that's vintage. I think I got that in my stocking. Well, maybe they weren't made in Turkey then. Maybe they're just 99 cent store. That was, they didn't even have 99 cent stores back then. <laughs> no, no. Pick and save. Or pick and pick save. And save. Yep. Yes. My mother <laughs> loved a good pick and save run. Oh, my stockings were filled with pick and save stuff oh, yeah. every Christmas. <laughs> okay, Diana, please reveal to us the item you picked and why. I picked the Dylan McKay doll because we play this stupid game within my family where we have to hide something in plain sight and whoever sees it says nothing, but they then take it and hide it somewhere else in plain sight. So, so you're going to have sim- this Dylan McKay doll floating around your house? That's right. Locations? That's right, because Cinderella with no head has disappeared. So <laughs> this, this is a great runner up. <laughs> Cinderella with no head has disappeared to be replaced by Dylan McKay with all the heads. All the heads. Yeah. His head is huge, huge in this doll. <laughs> Just like in real life, Harry had a giant head. <laughs> it's perfect. Yes. I'm a little surprised. My money was on the Princess Diana and Prince Charles commemorative plate. It was hard to steer away from it. (laughs) Yes, but I was being unselfish for the family. Okay, Diana, I can bid this item for you, or you can choose to pick what's inside the mystery box. Anything could be in this box. Are you going to stick with the Dylan McKay or go for the box? Oh, gosh. Um, It rattled. Yeah, there's something in the box. I want to just give you an empty box. What's in the box, Bond? <laughs> nope, I'm going to stick with the doll. Okay. You have Go every, with Dylan. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's bid this sucker up. I don't know. By the pictures, she's not really going to want to let go of them. <laughs> I know. She's, <laughs> she, the lady who's holding this doll is like very, very uh, tender with it. It's very sweet. She really enjoys this doll. Very much. Congratulations. We're the high bidder. and $8 for shipping. If this bid holds up, I will buy this item for you. Good luck, Diana. I hope you win it. That'll be a cool story. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you so much for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcast and enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our little show. Thank you so much. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and our Facebook group of the same name. We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets some, some lively topics that I'm sure you'll enjoy. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly towards keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants, and all-around improvement for future episodes. 
At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor, so take advantage of those if you are interested. For those who would like to support the show but don't want to use Patreon, we now offer our Venmo for your convenience. You can find us at who will save Gen X on your Venmo account. If you like what we're doing here and you want to do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten, you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. In either case, thanks so much for listening. And now we'd like to do our shout outs and plugs before we leave. Amy, is there anything you'd like to talk about before we leave? Uh, shout out to my wonderful family, husband and kids. They're the best. But I would like to give a plug to my second favorite podcast behind this one. I listen to a lot of podcasts during the pandemic. I listen to them when I work from home. And my other favorite podcast is Smartless. The hosts are Will Arnett, Sean Hayes, and Jason Bateman. And the premise is that they bring in a different guest every week. And it's a surprise to the other two. They rotate and they've had some fantastic episodes that have been so, so fun to listen to. So so that has been the highlight of the last couple of years is getting ready to listen to those guys rip on each other a little bit, learn a lot about the guest. And it's been really fun. So awesome. Jason Bateman is a Gen X icon. Totally. Yeah. And he was on Little House on the Prairie. He's one of the kids. Was I was really yes. Account. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> he is my man crush. I know that. I did not know that. So <laughs> I'll let Jason Bateman get a shout out on this podcast anytime. Know what I mean? Not, not, know what I mean? Sign him well, off. they tease him relentlessly about Teen Wolf 2. <laughs> <laughs> and Diana, our champion for this episode, some redemption. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Very happy. What this means, right? (laughs) Amy won one. Diana won one. I mean, we may have to say who's the real champion by getting a tiebreaker. We might have to. (laughs) I do. I do like that. Countdown. (laughs) (laughs) Diana, is there anything you'd like to plug before you leave? You know, I just want to say thank you to my family because they put up with my reruns and my '80s music, and they have no choice. So. They're very gracious about it. So thank you. Thanks for being on again, Diana. Thank you. It was really fun. Yeah, it's more fun when you win, right? Totally. (laughs) Way better. Way better. I have one quick plug by myself. Uh, we have finally got new designs for our T Public store. We have Who Will Save Gen X t-shirts available with the latest designs from our T Public store. If anyone is interested in checking out all of our cool Gen X themed designs for our shirts, you can find our link to our T Public store website in the show notes. <laughs> if you wants to go check it out uh, and support the show by buying a shirt, that'd be great. Thanks so much. Before we go, I'd like to remind you that you can find all the links and details about my guests and our newsletter, Venmo and Patreon in the show notes for this episode. If you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I'll promise I'll write you back with any details you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Well, that's it for the episode, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Okay, let's just talk about something right up front here. Let's just get right into it. I'm not a loser. Oh, Skippy. Wesley? Oh, Cousin Oliver. He is my man crush. I know that. Ooh, nice. I always associate that with, like, dudes. So good. Oh! Underwear hanging out the top. 30-year-old eighth grader. Fixing up the future. (laughs) That's a great guess. Wesley? Annie, are you okay? I'm a winner. I feel like a big loser. I eat pop culture for breakfast. How about 
chokers. Doing lines with hookers. I just did. But I did steal their footwear. Drinking out of the hose. You did not choke on that one. <laughs> so dumb. Bill and Mary Wesley. My parents were probably horrified. That is a big family for such a little house. So dumb. Big hoop earrings with a key on it. Whoa. We're halfway there. Whoa. Can we still be friends? D the hooch. The gooch never appears on screen. And roll credits. And then they all ended up at the peach pit. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.